Welcome to the 145th episode of the Young Turps podcast from the Viner Forget Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking about the Turps win over the weekend at Indiana. And of course, all of your other Terrapin news coming to you on the Terrapin Rundown. But before we get into all that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, you can contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to start things off with today's non-run report, the Lady Terps, now number 17, won another pair of games over the last week or so. They took down Illinois 79-60 on the road with Kayla Charles leading the way, yet again scoring 20 points and grabbing nine boards. Maryland also got revenge against number 22 Northwestern, who beat them earlier in the season, 70-61 to at home yesterday, or sorry, two days ago now, with four Terps in double-figure scoring, including a double-double from Stephanie Jones. Uh, things are going well for the Terps. Uh, Blair Watson, the guard, was named to the Naismith Women's National Defensive Player of the Year watch list. And the Terps are seven one conference, second to only eight and one Iowa, who they play at home later this season. Yep, and the Terps are running the mix of things in the Big Ten. Some wrestling to get through. Things are not improving for the Terps on the mat. They suffered a pair of home losses to the Indiana schools this weekend, losing thirty seven to four against number thirteen Purdue and nineteen to sixteen to Indiana. The team now at two and eleven on the season will travel to Ohio State on Friday for what will be another loss. Uh, the Jim uh, Terps. On the gymnastics side, suffered their first defeat of the season at Ohio State by a razor-thin margin of 195.500 to 195.250 before rebounding against Central Michigan, 195 to 250 to 194 to .3.25. Yeah, they tumbled, uh, pun intended, down the pole to 19, but will face off against Illinois on Saturday. As far as I recall, I wrote this yesterday, but I'm pretty sure they're still the number one team in the Big Ten in um, gymnastics, so not all doom and gloom. Uh, I did catch Mason writing off wrestling before they even played Ohio State, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're they they're not winning that one. Uh, the tennis on uh, the tennis side, the team's off to a four zero start with wins coming against Georgetown, Southern Utah, Towson, and Coppin State. Uh, the Terps have some big games coming up against Columbia and VCU next weekend. Yeah, tennis started a couple weeks ago. Uh, just kind of flew under the radar for us until recently, though. But they're after a good start. Last year was their worst season record, so they kind of can't get much worse, right? Um, I don't know about that, but there's always room to go down, Jordan. Six Terps were named to the inside lacrosse preseason All-American team. Uh, in some capacity, the All-Big Ten team last weekend was the coaches' team, and this one is the inside lacrosse one. So the Terps have uh, Jared Bernhardt, All-American uh, second team, Bubba Fairman and Anthony DeMaio, third team, and Logan Wisnowskis, Brett uh, Makar, and Roman Puglisi are all honorable mentions. So what are your thoughts as our lacrosse expert, Mason? Uh, I think I think they're underrating the Terps a bit here again. Um, I think Bubba is poised for a big season. I think Jared Bernhardt's definitely a first-team All-American. It's just there's a lot of turnover for this team, uh, especially on the defensive side. You know, you had uh, the core is coming back, but... Um, they definitely aren't going to be – I don't think they're as predictable as they've been in the past year, if that's the way I'll put it. Uh, someone new will be in the cage again, Danny Dolan moving on from 
Uh, I guess moving on from lacrosse, graduating from Maryland last year, so they'll have a new goalie in there, and it's just going to be a matter of, you know, who steps up. But with this Maryland team, you always know that there will be people to step up because that's the culture and that's what they pride themselves on. Yeah, and then on the women's side, you had um, four chirps named to the inside lacrosse All-American team as well. Uh, Megan Dougherty, uh, Brittany Griffin, and Callie Hathorn. Um, Hathorn being on the second team, and then Grace Griffin uh, on the third team. So the Terps are also ranked on the women's side as number one in the inside lacrosse preseason poll. And that brings us to some football news, Jordan. Well, I just got a comment real quick. I don't know how the team is number one in the preseason poll, but they don't have a single first-team All-American. It doesn't seem to line up for me. Yeah, um, if that wasn't clear, Darity and Griffin uh, are on the second team, and then Grace Griffin's on the third team. Yeah, um, you know, it just comes from such a different group of players. I think there's some bias here against Maryland. Uh, They're just so good that people tend to go ahead and give other people acknowledgments when they are uh, at that level of first-team All-American, but they're not better than a Maryland player. They usually get that nod on the national stage above the Maryland kids. But, you know, it just it it, it goes in, in stages, and there are going to be Maryland players there in the qu- question for the Tawarton Award both sides this year, and those guys are going to be named first season, first team, I should say, All-Americans at the end of the season, which is what really matters. Yes, it is. Uh, so as you said, we got a lot of football news. First up to bat, Max Bortenschlager announced today that he will grad transfer away from the Terps this season. The Indiana native played 19 games over the course of his four years with the Terps. Um, I, I'd be, I'll be completely honest. I didn't know he was still on the team. I did. Uh, a foot injury uh, held him out this, this past season, and then I think that he wanted to go ahead and give it uh, the rest of the year to uh, – open up this window for a grad transfer while he still has two years of eligibility left. And Max has been a guy that I think, and Jordan, you, you can second to this point, uh, that we all have to appreciate. I mean, comes in as a freshman after choosing the Terps over Buffalo as a roster filler guy. Uh, he's thrust into action at Nebraska that season to before Perry Hills could come back and win that Rutgers game to go to a bowl in Durkin's first season. And he's been a guy that, that's never really been the guy at Maryland, but he's been, you know, given um, – plenty of opportunities to start in a Terps jersey, and there's no doubt about the effort that Max gave. And uh, there were times where if he could come back this past season, he would have been the best uh, quarterback on the roster. You know, he's consistent. He's not um, a great football player, but he's given this program everything that he's gotten. Best to him as he moves on. I I completely agree. Um, Yeah, he wasn't always perfect, but you really, and this is, I know this is going to get some ruffles and feathers, but you really have to respect the guys that try their hardest because that is really all you can do. And regardless of talent, if you give all your effort, you're going to have my respect. Yeah, and Max is a guy that's done that. You know, let's not um, kind of say that it was all bad under him. I mean, Max won some big games for Maryland. He won at Minnesota. Uh, for those of you that remember that game where J.C. Jackson closed it with an interception. He won a homecoming game against Indiana when they wore those yellow jerseys with the black um, stripe across the front uh, for the Maryland football 125 game. He's won some close games, and he, he's really a great competitor and a guy that, you know, he was never told that he was going to be the starter at the beginning of the season. And I think that's something that's overlooked with him, given how many games he started. But, you know, just, just a 100% effort guy that that shows that even if you're not number one at the beginning of the season, you can still uh, earn a lot of respect from being pushed into spots by injuries and making things happen when he did. Now, he didn't win every game that they should have, and he didn't – he, he's by no stretch of imagination a great quarterback. But he got it done when he needed to, and he really showed up what a next man up mentality is that you know every coach tries to bring, and, and he's the guy that brought that to this program. 
well, pushing along, um, three-star running back Ebony Jackson from Detroit, Michigan, announced he is flipping from Maryland to Arkansas. Um, I believe this was out a few weeks ago that he was leaving the program, or maybe not showing up to the program in the first place, but he's officially moving on to Arkansas. And I don't know. I, I don't really have anything else to say here. Yeah, um, a guy that's really, I think, has an amazingly bright future, Ebony Jackson. But the Terps kind of, um, they over-recruited him, honestly. You know, Dave was just talking about how he's going to be a great shirt guy if he chooses to come to Maryland with a knee injury this past season. Uh, they then take the Jacobs brother, I believe his name is Isaiah Jacobs, right? Yeah, Josh Jacobs' brother. And he was just kind of recruited uh, out of out of this team, and he goes to Arkansas. I mean, there's not much there other than that, but a guy that I would have loved to see in a Terps jersey, but maybe the roster spots just weren't there for him, even with Lolo retiring from football. Well, I used the word replace in this note, but I don't know if that's really the case. On the same day, the Terps picked up former Michigan preferred walk-on Jordan Castleberry. So I assume those two are related somehow, because it was on the same day, very close to each other timing-wise. Um, yeah, I think that the Terps just saw an opening here, and they, they picked up a guy, a veteran guy, to join the backfield that's going to be really looking uh, young and wide open for one of these freshmen to step up and take a lot of carries this next season. So the Terps have added, um, the last 48 hours or so, three players. Uh, the first one we're going to hit is the 2020 player, and that would be um, Milo Moran, the three-star offensive tackle from Lackawanna Community College up in Pennsylvania. Um Moran is a big dude. He stands at 6'5", 308 pounds, but is actually one of the smaller guys that recruited for the offensive line, which kind of shows you the size they're getting here. Um, he held offers from Indiana, West Virginia, Texas Tech. I'll, get, I'll let you get to him for real in a minute, Mason, but interesting little note that I thought was at least fascinating. He was originally going to James Madison because he wanted to be you know, in that winning culture, but then the JMU staff moved to East Carolina and actually came down to Maryland. ECU was his fi- final two teams, but he... And they picking the Terps, but he almost went to the FCS to try to win something instead. Yeah, and I mean, that's what the transfer portal and JUCO in large amounts is about, is winning. Um, you're talking about a group of guys that generally missed or did not receive that first opportunity, and a lot of them go to winning programs in the um, JUCO world, and they want to keep that going. They want to be around that. They think that's good for them, and... Well, I mean, let's look at this straight, Jordan. Like, you're talking about a kid that's already been in JUCO, not in the best position um, to start with, even though I'm a big fan of a lot of JUCO players. But he's handed the chance to pretty much play for a national championship every year at JMU or go struggle at Maryland. And while Maryland, you do, let's face it, have a better chance of going to the NFL, regardless of what some of the naysayers love to say, than than playing at JMU. There's just more exposure. There's more chances that you get to go up against other top-tier talent players. It's kind of a nice draw to a school like JMU or NDSU or uh, Youngstown State. Like, they, these schools have draws, but he ends up being a Terp and a guy that's 6'5", 308 at a position that Maryland needs right now. Um, I, I like his chances to see the field this year. Well, if he does, I hope he succeeds. We got a lot of um, offensive line talent from the JUCO level this uh, season. And we're really tapping the JUCO spring a lot. And the next guy we're talking about is another one. So 2021 commits on the next class now. We have linebacker. I'm going to mess this name up, and I apologize. I believe Jermaine Spragans. Look about about right, Mason. Yeah. uh, Somebody please correct us with this one because I I really do not know how to say um, this name. He played at uh, Hutchinson Community College, another big winning 
uh, CC program out there in Kansas. He originally played at in at Arundel High School in uh, the Annapolis area. The 6'2 linebacker is known for his speed. He held offers from Oklahoma State, South Carolina, Tennessee, and West Virginia. Jordan, that is some good names right there. Yeah, it is. This guy, I actually watched some highlight tape of this of him. This dude, he runs like a D-back. If he was a little bit taller, he would be a D-back. Um, but he's a guy, we have someone else from Hutchinson in the 2020 class, I forget who, but Maryland certainly caught his eye. He's from the DMV, and he wanted to come back here. Another guy who, I mean, again, let's face it, if you're going to pick just on football programs out of that list, you're picking uh, probably any one of those programs before Maryland right now. Yeah, West Virginia, the only one that you could say, make a case that Maryland's a better move for. But like Oklahoma State, at I the mean, moment. Yeah, Oklahoma State, Tennessee, South Carolina, all looking up. Uh, but, you know, the committable offer where it gets thrown out here and all that other stuff. But bottom line is a JUCO that's highly sought after choosing Maryland, which is a school that has connections now to these junior colleges. That was part of taking a lot of these guys uh, in this last cycle. It's part of building a program, building a culture, building a name. It is being able to go into the secondary market and try and rebuild a program quickly, which is what uh, people like me that are kind of close to the program know a lot about how to do things like this and how to really quickly try and turn something around. It's about getting size and speed and talent, but it's also about making inroads and connections to get the next level player. And that's what this is. You know, you're seeing they have some connections to Hutchinson and the, you know, Lackawanna now at the last guy that we just talked about, Moran. They're drawing into these junior college programs and trying to get that secondary market and get guys that are ready to play now because we want to develop players. We do not want to do what Durkin did. Durkin brought in over 20-something freshmen that played right the minute they got to Maryland. This is a way to kind of put some filler in there, you know, patchwork, if you will, Jordan, uh, get some guys in there that can that can play for now and, and while we develop our freshmen. And I just want to um... – read some of his the quotes he gave when he committed and hold on before i go into the, these guys are not patchwork players that's just kind of how they're being i wouldn't say how they're being used here but they're, they're fit guys you know they're, they're well, not also, the number one but they're going to work for now and build a better future for later and if they win now then that's great that, that term's a little bit of an inside joke for me and mason too um yeah, i mean but here's what he said if you're from Maryland, you know we got we probably got the best uniforms in the nation and are cutthroat on the field. He also said on Mike Loxley, him being or sorry, not on Mike Loxley, on Jacory Bennett, who was other player from Hutchinson who signed for 2020. Him, Jacory, being from Alabama and me being from Maryland, seeing him fall in in love with the state of Maryland made me fall in love even more with my state. For somebody to not pick. Ole Miss or Auburn and pick Maryland, they're really opened my eyes to, yeah, I got a good back home. I know Mike Fox, he's got something brewing up there, and I want to be a part of it. So, I mean, that's it right there, isn't it? Yeah, precisely, Jordan. That's that's what you want to see. Um, you have a guy that sees this as kind of like a second opportunity. Maybe he overlooked Maryland the first time. Maryland, maybe Maryland didn't look at him. But he realizes that they're building something. And, and that belief that you see these guys having – in this program and, and with what's around it and what what Coach Locke is trying to do, is it really the reason why he's here? You know, you're talking yeah. about a guy that walked into a situation, possibly the toughest job in the country when he took it over. And look, it's been, what now, a year and a few months? Maybe and we have people, like a year and a month. Yeah, and we have people talking about, 
what opportunity there is here and and why they would come here because other people are telling them to come here and it's it's a good program and it's a good place to be and that's almost I'm tempted to say it's all you can ask for given in the McNair situation and all that stuff that there are still players that want to come here but it's college sports so we knew that was going to happen we we do want to win that is our baseline and this is how you build a winning program is you get people to go out and talk to their guys about it and then they talk to their guys about it and then suddenly you have interest in your program and I think that builds into our big, or I guess our big get here. And that is, of course, landing the four-star defensive tackle, Tanzi Johnson, in the 2021 class. Uh, Johnson attends St. John College High School in D.C. along with Rack Jarrett. He uh, holds, he held, may, I guess, offers from some of the top programs in the nation, like the top programs, Alabama, Florida, LSU, Georgia, Ohio State, Penn State. Like, those are all programs that made offers to him. Some of them went even far as, like, having recruiters down on 24-7. This is a huge get. He was the number 13 defensive tackle in the country, 13th best player in D.C., and the exact type of guy that we need to keep in the DMV if we want to be successful. And he came to Maryland and, I mean, talk about making your day. Yeah, this one's huge for the Terps. Um, kind of secondary with that immediate backup commitment to Rakeem Jarrett or Rakim Jarrett. Uh, is Johnson. I mean, another four-star guy out of St. John's, another highly sought-after player nationally, and this is another legitimately sought-after player nationally. We're not talking about he got one letter. We're talking about assigned recruiters with with a want for this player here, and it's not better set up for the Terps than this. You know, we talked about how when Stephon Diggs committed, Maryland necessarily didn't go right after the next guy. Here is Rakim Jarrett committing, and here's the next guy. You know, Caleb Williams has been on campus. Um... A lot of the St. John's guys have been on campus. We're, we're getting somewhere here, and this is just another get to it. And, you know, for me, no better place to get it than the defensive line where the Terps need uh, some good interior talent. Yeah, um, and his quote, which definitely got a lot of tread once he committed, is why not slide to the crib? Which is exactly and, what Rakim said, though. Oh, I actually picked that up. You're right, though. That was really dumb on my part. But, and that's also what... Um, the Hutchinson kid that we just talked about, he also said that. Oh, that's going to be our thing. It's going to be our thing. This is, I mean, I can't emphasize enough that it's a defensive tackle here. I think a lot of people know that, but the defensive line was one of our biggest weaknesses last season. Well, it has been for and, years now, but yes. Yeah. yeah, and this guy will be, presumably, in the next few years, be the center of the 3-4 we run, if assuming we still run it on defense. This, I mean, I... I know this is a, something everybody knows, but it bears repeating. This has always been formula to win at Maryland, is we need to control the DMV. And we've said this, we have so many false starts on this, but it really does feel like we're starting to lay the groundwork for locking down the DMV, especially if you can land Caleb Williams now. If you can get those three guys, then, I mean, we're really getting somewhere. Yeah, and, and you look at the thing that Maryland always gives to these kids that are from here, and they call it the founders, you know, the movie poster, the fake one that's been thrown around. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, this is this is kind of like the start of something, and I'm I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel some love towards this program, and, and towards the guys that are on the top of it and running it right now. So it takes a few of these guys, but it takes them back to back to back to get something going. You're talking about a guy like um, Treadwell right now, one of the most sought after offensive tackles in the country, visiting Maryland, uh, upcoming here from Good Counsel. There, there's chat about Maryland now. It's now taking advantage of it. Now we've seen it done twice with Rakim Jarrett and this guy, uh, Johnson. 
the third one, the fourth one, and the fifth one are just as important as the first two because you've got to start a trend and you've got to start in multiple schools. We've now seen it start at St. John's. We needed a good council now. And they need it at Tabatha. Yeah. And then they need it at Gonzaga. And you can just go yeah, down a list something. of schools and then you can really have something. You can have physically have something that's rolling in your hands. Is we've had this DMD DMV thing before, but something that at least privately people in our circle talked about a lot was the concern that with the Durkin era DMV DMD, it was only Damatha. If and we really want to control the WCAC as a whole because it's the best athletic conference in the country. And yeah, you already got the Damatha connection deep. You have the St. John's one now. It's worth mentioning, of course, Stefan Diggs wants a good council. You might have a Gonzaga thing brewing. Like, if you can really start locking down this conference, that would be, I can't stress this enough, this would, that would be such a game changer if you could start controlling the WCAC for Maryland football. Yes, it would. And now let's talk about some Maryland basketball, Jordan. Yes. Um, that, the, so we're, we're going to talk about the Indiana game, obviously. Um, and that was one of the, not necessarily the best performances from the church, but that was one of the best Maryland games I have seen in some time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think this was one of the few truly high-level games that I've seen played by, by Maryland and an opponent uh, at the same time. <laughs> We've certainly seen it go go both ways, where Maryland's blown out teams and, and, and the Terps have been the ones that do the blowing of the out. But <laughs> this was kind of different because, you know, early on Maryland was draining it from every part of the court, and Indiana just had a shot back. You know, it was, it was a real game. It was really back and forth, and... And it was a lot of fun to watch, but at the end, if we if we lost this game, we would have said, of course, but we won it for once on the road at Indiana in a hostile environment, and I just think it was a really glorious win. Yeah, glorious might be a good way to put it. So, yeah, CBS, big atmosphere, and Maryland starts out, and they're looking like they're going to run away with the game. I mean, they're like you said, they're nailing threes like nobody's business. Uh, at some point, they're like 9 of 10 from 3 or something like that, and it looks like it's going to be a blowout. But in the back of my mind, even in the first half, I was thinking, in the like, okay, we're really playing well, but we're shooting so many threes and we're making them all. Like, eventually we're going to stop making them, right? And that's kind of what happened in the second half. Yeah, um, definitely. But the Terps, in but the then, first half, right? But then, I mean, Indiana got just as hot as Maryland was in the first half. And there was one point, and it was, when, it was one of the points where the game looks kind of over uh, in the favor of Indiana. And... Whoever was doing color commentary, which I can't remember for this game, said, well, Maryland's got an answer. You know, it's going to be about just the way Indiana played in the in the first half. Maryland's going to have to pull that out. And I was like, no way Maryland pulls that out. Come on, Turgeon, this whole thing's going downhill, and this is just going to be, they're going to lose this game by 20. But they came back for once. It's yeah, they really. That, it's like the effort and the heart that we've been looking for for so long popped out for a half, where they just needed to bull their way through it, make some shots, make some big plays, have Sticks, Wiggins, somebody, Cowan, like anybody, make a shot or two, and they did, and they came out with a win, and it was definitely something something different to look at. Yeah, um, just to get more in-depth, so yeah, Maryland's winning 45-30, so we kind of covered the first half, I feel like as much as we need to. Um, the second half, Indiana comes out, comes flying out of the gates. Um, they just looked great in the beginning the second half. They were hitting stuff from all over the f- floor. Maryland falls behind, I think, around 16 minutes left in the game. And they – Indiana pull, makes, pulls – gets some separation just a little bit, but they hold the lead for a while. And um, 
you can't, at least for me, I can't talk about the game without mentioning Kobe Bryant. I found out died at about the 12 minute mark. So to be perfectly honest, I kind of tuned up the game for a good chunk of the next, for the rest of it, honestly. I'm just kind of in shock looking at, watching the world burn on Twitter. But they stuck around and I kept expecting to look up when I was scrolling through Twitter to see Maryland down by 10 points or 12 points, just out of reach. But the Terps kept hanging around. And by the time I kind of tuned back in for real, it was about 67-61, and Maryland starts really clawing their way back into the game. And, yeah, I still don't think we're going to win, though. I mean, we never win this game. But the difference, in my opinion, we hit some great shots on the line. Aaron Williams nailed that three. Cowan got back in his groove. But Jalen Smith in this game was beyond phenomenal. Yeah, let's talk about Jalen for a second here. Um, we all, I'm certain, have heard about what went down directly after the game with well, uh, Jalen and some Indiana fans. We should clarify that because I feel like, at least for me, even, it just it was hard to figure out what actually happened because no one seemed to actually mention it on Twitter. But from what I understand, immediately after the game and kind of during the game for a little bit too, Jalen was really screaming at the Indiana fans. And from what I understand and from what I have seen, and I don't know how much you can really trust us on this because we probably have some bias, I'll admit, but it seemed like the Indiana courtside fans were really not being polite to the Maryland team, especially Jalen Smith. Yes. I can go for that, but, you know, this is sports. These things happen. They should not. I'm going to say this right now. I think the people that sit courtside that are rude to players should be removed from at least that part of the venue where you're that close. I will always say that. I think Maryland fans are very rude, generally, at basketball events and even at other events. When it's a big event, Maryland fans are rude, and I love it. But it's not necessarily – look, I'm just going to go out straight out and say this. I like it. We need a few guys that are going to punch our way back in the games and to have some fight and to have some tough guy in them. It's just as simple as that. That's what you need to win in basketball. That's what you need to win in football. There's not a single sport where if you don't have toughness, then you're not going to win. In Maryland, as and I can just throw out quotes now, Maryland has no backbone, they have no coaching, they have no effort, they have no heart. I mean, almost every Maryland fan says that. But in this case, for this game, I'm not saying that's starting a trend moving forward because Turgeon did not seem too happy with it. For once, it worked out. We showed the heart. They need someone to light something, a fire under their ass, and it was apparently the Indiana fans that did that for them this game, and they actually played basketball. They did things right with the mindset of winning. We talked about do your job in the last episode. Everybody did their job. Wiggins, when they really needed him to, knocked down a big three. Sticks, when they needed him to, went inside and scored to win the game. They defended the last play. Not very well, but they did it. And, and it worked out. And I think Jalen Smith being Jalen Smith and playing like to his abilities, whether the fans that started it with him or whether he started with the fans, whatever, that seemed to get that seemed to get him going, to get his mind set on to winning this basketball game. And you know what? I like it. They, they showed some heart. They did something different, and it worked. Yes, and they won, and that felt like a huge win. And I think it was. I think this team really needed to win on the road in the front of a sold-out environment in historic venue like Assembly Hall that's notoriously difficult to play in. And Maryland, of course, finally got that win in Assembly Hall, something we've uh, mentioned in the last episode they hadn't done before. And it feels 
it's just a lot of fun. This team is fun right now. They've won three and run Big Ten. But in, again, this wasn't this win was critical to us believing we could win on the road. And I'll say it again. I'm looking at the field right now. I was actually just reading an article about tournament seeding. I mean, anybody can win still. And you have to, as Maryland, believe that the goal is to get the Final Four this season. Yeah, and I think that, I think that, that passed there. But if you look at these next three games, we're going to figure out a lot more about our team. Uh, they're home in a big game against Iowa, 8.30 on Thursday night. That That's something to look at. We'll talk about that one in just a minute here after we wrap up about uh, Indiana. Then they're home against a ranked Rutgers team. They're at uh, Illinois, who's second in the conference right now. So in the next three, well, we'll talk about Iowa in depth in a minute here. But the next three are going to tell a lot about them. But let's get back to the end of the game um, from Sunday afternoon. I have a question for you, Mason. Yes. So I know, and I'm sure everybody who listens to this podcast on a regular basis knows, you haven't always been the biggest stick supporter, but I I guess two-point question. One, did you like to play to more or less ISO him on the block for the final shot? And two, has he finally gotten through to you after such an amazing stretch of games for him? Look, I think he's playing his best basketball right now. I think we're seeing the guy that we expected to see. He can shoot the three. He can stretch the floor. He's actually been able to score down low a fair amount. Maybe not back to the basket, but down low nonetheless. I like this version of him. You know, last in the last game, he pointed to the scoreboard uh, at Northwestern. In this game, he shows heart. He shows toughness. Gets into it with some fans. I like this version of Jalen Smith. I really do. I, I've always liked Sticks as a person. I thought he was a great guy. Uh, really nice to talk to. Really... Seems like an intelligent dude, but on the basketball court, I have not always enjoyed watching him play. No, everyone's right about that. But he's your best player when he's at full, full whatever you want to call it. Maybe it's mental wherewithal. Maybe it's physicality. Maybe it's uh, so he needs something to light a fire before every game. You know, when he's when he's at his best, he is the best. In this game, it's my opinion that he was your player that's playing the best, and he was the one that deserved the ball for the last shot, and he got and he scored. So, yes, I do like it. All right, so, and yeah, the game was a ton of fun, great game, made pleasure you need to. This Iowa game, I'm going to start off by saying, I see it personally as us having two rivals in basketball in the Big Ten at the moment. For Indiana, just because Maryland Indiana fans do not get along. I don't know, I don't know why, but we really don't seem to get along with each other. And um, Iowa, for whatever reason, it feels like to me it's a rivalry game when we play Iowa. And that's definitely true this season. Yeah, and, and the Hawkeyes will come in uh, winning their last five after losing two straight. The Hawkeyes have beaten uh, their win streak started with the Maryland win. Uh, they then won at Northwestern, home against Michigan, home against Rutgers. And most recently on uh, the 27th, they won at home against Wisconsin. Uh, they come into this game right in the mix of things uh, in the conference, along with the Terps, uh, Iowa 15 and five, fourth in the Big Ten. The Terps 16 and four, third in the Big Ten. Uh, kind of setting us up for a big time. I'm gonna say mid late season rumble at the Xfinity Center, uh, 8:30 on Thursday. Terps doing a Jurassic Park themed red out. Yeah, interesting choice of uh, theme, but I love that side for now. So without you can't talk about this game without mentioning the matchup between Luca Garza from DC. And Jalen Smith, Luca Garza has an argument for the best player in the country. Yeah, um, most he definitely. Is, he is scoring out the wazoo right now. Dropped 33 against Michigan a few weeks ago, 
or sorry, a few days ago, and really uh, averages 23 points a game, 10 boards. He just has been phenomenal. I think Ken Palm at some point recently had him ranked as the best player in the country, according to the numbers. Yeah, yeah, efficiency-wise, best player in the country. Uh, definitely a guy to look out for. Uh, Wayne met him at uh, Big Ten Media Days and uh, way back now, and I think that was... October? October, yeah. And um, really just a stand-up guy. He's been around college basketball now for a long time. Definitely a different build from Sticks. Much tougher guy down low. Much um, more aggressive player, if you will. Not as We're not talking recent Sticks. We're talking general timeline Sticks. A much aggressive player. A much more aggressive player, I should say. But a guy that's... He's at the top tier of college basketball right now. A senior player that's in his last year. But both of these teams regardless of individual players, come into this game at 6-3 and three in this conference, around 60-4, and 15-5 and five, uh, overall. And both of these teams really want this win. For Maryland, it's yeah, way more important because they want to split the season series uh, with the Hawkeyes. But for, for Iowa, they're coming in looking to make a statement on national stage and really prove that they're a uh, top three team in this league. Yeah, um, it's worth mentioning, though, that when we played Iowa on the road, also, quick correction, Luke Garza uh, is a uh, junior, not senior. But when we played them, that I believe to date, that was Luke Garza's worst game. When, he, when they played Maryland, he scored 21 still, but he also went 8 for 13 from the field and only got five rebounds. Sticks actually out-rebounded him, if I'm remembering that correctly. So uh, take from what you will from that. This is going to come down to them to that matchup, I believe, though. And I think that's a pretty fair assessment to make. Uh, Sticks and Garza may be the best two big men in the country. Well, you could say country, but I was going to say conference. And it's going to come down to who can win that battle. But I really believe Maryland has a better supporting cast around Smith, specifically because you could really say the best their best player might be Anthony Cowan. Still. And for Iowa, you have Joe Westcamp, who I'm picking Cowan. That's just me, but... Uh, yeah, so am I. I, I also agree with that. I, I would agree with most of what you say. Well, I mean, most of what you just said, but um, I don't know what it is, but Iowa always seems to either play really bad or really well against Maryland. Uh, a few years ago, the Terps honored their 2002 national championship team and did like a flash mob game. If you remember, it was the game with the shirts with the different colored sides on them that they gave away. I actually don't remember that, but I'll take your word for it. Maryland got curb stomped in that game, just similarly to the way they did earlier this season. And Maryland's gone to Iowa a few times and won some blowout games. But these two teams do not seem to play very many close games with each other. No, but I think this one will be. And I really wish, just because I knew you can argue with me on this one if you want, Mason, but I feel like watching in a BTN like just, just didn't have nearly the same feel on TV as watching a game on like FS1 and ESPN. Yes, I, I do agree with that. This is not a um, BTN game, but it's one that was, I guess, preseason picked as one. It is a late start, and I, and I do like that. I, I like a lot that goes around the atmosphere of this game. First game of the students back, it will be for the Terps. Um, it's just got that big game feeling. Maryland, it seems like they still need to win. They still have something to prove, and I think these next three games do a lot towards proving whatever kind of team this is going to be. I'm not ruling out the Final Four. I'm not ruling out the National Championship for this team yet. I needed that, them to bring me back 
to thinking that, and I think they did in their last game, but they still uh, need to win against here against Iowa. I think Iowa's really a truly ranked team. I think they belong where they are the way they've been playing recently. And I think they will win against Iowa. I think they're going to beat Iowa. I think they're going to beat Rutgers. And I think they're going to beat Illinois. And they're going to be looking really good uh, going into the last stretch of games this season. I'm picking the Terps, Jordan, 75-61 to 61 over the Hawkeyes. Well, they shocked me, the Mason believing. So I don't know what you have to say anymore. Um, yeah, these, these next... We said the next four games before in the end. It's still hey, you know, I'll say games. a lot about them. Hold on. I'll say a lot about them, but they have not lost at home yet this season. Yeah, that's uh, something I'm really watching at this point. They, it's very possible for they go undefeated at home this season. Um, the, we said this next four games are going to be big before Indiana, and that's still true. The next three games are going to be huge, especially now. Um, something worth mentioning is a lot of people have pra- praised the Big Ten this season for being really deep, and that they are. But there is one Big Ten – There are sorry – there's two Big Ten teams in the top 15. And they're 14 Michigan State, 15 Maryland. You win this game. If they only play one game in this AP week, they're going to be the best team in Big Ten in the AP poll. So this, you really are playing for something here. This is a huge game. Um, I wish fan support was a little bit better. I was looking at UNTERP's tickets earlier. They're uh, not looking too great. Uh, so people will please get out and support the team. This is a huge game. Uh, I know it's a weeknight. It's a late start, but I mean... The upper decks are like half empty right now on UM Terps, which is a shame to see for me. But get out, support the team. I'm going to pick Maryland in a narrow game. I'm going to say it's going to be a bruising Big Ten win. I'm going to say 67-63 Terps. Yeah, I, I can see it. Um, do you have anything else to even add on this episode now that we just predicted the game? I'm going to say um, I'm also in the individual battle. I'm going to say Garza is going to put up more points than Sticks, but I'm going to say Sticks is going to make some big plays down the line and prove that he, and this is going to be a going to be a brutal fight on the air net, I feel like at some point in the season, he is going to get that center spot in the All-Big Ten team. I can see it. Um, I don't know. There's still a lot of basketball left to play, and this is going to do a big part in playing that out, and we'll, we will be back uh, after the Terps hopefully take down Iowa and before they take on a ranked Rutgers team. Yeah, Rutgers, one of the best stories of the season by a long shot this year. I'm really hoping they stay ranked because I'd love to play. Well, I guess further down the line, this is kind of a off topic, but I'd love to play a game at Rutgers while they're ranked. But that won't be until the second to last game of the season. So Yeah, who knows? They could be in game. the mix. Uh, the other thing, I guess the last thing that we missed is Chol not playing. Uh, some injury speculation, some just DNP speculation there. Uh, we'll wait to see what Coach Turgeon and the staff has on that uh, hey, in our next hey, podcast. I say, though, Justin Myers, uh, I know he didn't break any records or anything, but he played okay. He plays hard. Plays hard. He still I think he much. had a ton of upside when he came into Maryland. I don't know exactly what happened there, but uh, a guy that I can see get contributing if this team's or needs to contribute if this team's making a deep run, especially without Troll. Yeah, um, that's something to definitely keep our eyes on, and especially with this game coming up. But Iowa. 8.30, y'all going to be watching, going to be tweeting. Um, uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on, just, and I know everybody's heard so much about this, I'm not going to say too much, but um, I'm going to say that for Mason and I, we definitely talked a lot about this. Toby Bryant's um, passing was a huge, had a huge impact on us. He's kind of the first major part of our childhood star celebrity athlete type of this magnitude to go. And, um, Really wish him and his family the best because it's really um, affected us, I'd say. 
Yeah, I mean, when when I first started with the uh, video games, which is really what I think brought me this big into sports, that and of course uh, having Wayne and Bruce around all the time, uh, that 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 Kobe was the best player. I mean, he picked up uh, NBA Live '06 Jordan on the on the PSP. Beyond yeah. the player that's on the box, which is Dwayne Wade for that game, it's Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal. Those are the best basketball players in that video game. Maybe not exactly. Maybe Steve Nash and Amari Studmeyer up there. But Kobe's definitely the guy that was the most, I don't want to say flashy, but he, he's the he biggest looked- star. I mean, he was the L.A. guy. He was the big city player. You know, LeBron was just getting really going around. Then he was in Cleveland. Kobe was the NBA headliner. You know, he, he gave us the true stardom. And, you know, he had an, an attitude about him, one that I, I frankly appreciate a lot. You know, I know there was some people out there, and no one will say it right now, but it, there's there's a truth. You either really loved him or you hated him. As a basketball I'll say, player. I, I, I'll say I hated watching Kobe, but it doesn't mean he I didn't respect him, and I didn't mean I, lo- I still love watching him play. As a basketball player and, and as an athlete just in general, which I was then, um. I love his just attitude. I love the attitude they took towards life, you know, competitive toughness and, and having to outwork everyone to be the best when you don't necessarily have the best build for it. It is exactly precise. And I think his take on it, the way that he took he actually took to it. He didn't just say it. He was a player. He wasn't a coach. So he had to actually had to follow through on it. He did it day in and day out, and, and it resulted in a lot of wins for him and the Lakers and and the teams that he was a part of, whether it was USA or the Lakers. But just unfortunate to see... A legend of our time uh, pass on, and of course everyone else that was on the helicopter. It's just an awful, awful thing to see people that you know you expect to live other days, and then it's just cut short. And and, and that's just it's a sad reality of living on this earth. Yeah, that's all I can say. The other, uh, I guess, one other thing I want to mention is you cannot mention him to me at least without thinking of the. I'd say probably millions of basketball players of, of all levels that get inspired to play. There's so many, so many of my favorite players now. Always, even before Kobe passed, they always talked about the impact he had on them and making him play. Jalen Smith and Eric Wiggins both come to mind for the Terps. But like, I, I would really like to know how many players in basketball in general picked up a ball because of him. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a huge influencer. Uh, for the game of basketball and really what's been a crucial growth period for the league. But, you know, you just have to think about him as, as really a great competitor uh, of sports and a, and a great and a great basketball player, uh, possibly one of the best to ever do it. I think we'll leave it there. Um, we'll be back sometime over the weekend to talk about Maryland's, maybe Friday, I'll talk about Maryland's win over Iowa. And I'm saying win because I'm really, really hoping for one here. I'm going to be devastated if not. A great weekend football recruiting, too. Uh, hope we get some more commits soon. Until then, you got anything else, Mason? No, I do not. But we do, as always, need to thank our sponsors of the podcast. Viner Four Gates in Rockville for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates, the place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner.com. And Ally Party Rentals for all of your party rental needs, big or small. Allied, the place to go. You can reach them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan just said it. We'll be back on Friday or Saturday talking, hopefully, about the Terps win over Iowa. Until then, as always, thanks for listening, and give us a follow at YoungTerp1 on Twitter.